Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Unicorn Dan in your spare time. Exactly. <laughs> oh. I am eating rainbows and pooping sparkles. And that's the title for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of The Bake Down, the podcast where we take some of our fabulous legends here at Bake with a Legend and review this year's Great British Bake Off. I'm your host, Sarah, and with me we have the lovely Howard Middleton, Dan Beasley-Harling and Jane Beadle. Now, before we get into the semi-final of Patisserie Week, uh, I'm just going to take a moment to mention our brand new festive voucher packages that we have for you guys. And these are going to give you big, big discounts if you're wanting to take multiple classes over the festive season. You can choose two, three or five classes with this package and they can save you up to £50, which is a great saving this time of year. You can take any class between now and Christmas Eve. You could take something maybe a little less Christmassy. You could go with, for example, Karen's Millionaire's Chocolate Tart on the 12th of November, or Rosie's brand new Chocolate Mousse Bomb on the 19th. Or, of course, you could go with a Baker the Legend classic festive class, such as Howard's Snowshoe Relégeuse, sorry about the pronunciation, on Sunday the 4th of December, or Dan's classic Bouche de Noël, or of course we have some brand new festive classes as well. We have Rosie's Snow Globe Cupcakes on the 11th of December, and Jane's Orange and Fig Christmas Roulade on the 17th. So whatever you fancy doing, head on down to bakewithalegend.com and have a look at our online classes and our brand new festive voucher packages. So here we are, we are at the semi-finals. We only have one episode left after this, which is really sad, but also really exciting as we are closer to crowning our 2022 Bake Off champion. So Howard, let's get straight into it. Patisserie week, a skill left quite late in the competition, do we think? Well, a bit strange to have patisserie the week after pastry, I thought. But because uh, in, my, in my book, there's quite a lot of pastry in patisserie. I know in this particular episode, we didn't get a lot of pastry except in the uh, technical challenge. Generally, it would have been nice to have had some of the skills tested a little bit earlier on in the competition, I think. I tend to agree with Howard, actually. But equally, I think we said last time, pastry week should have been earlier on in the competition. It it shouldn't have taken us to the quarterfinals to discover that people couldn't make pastry. <laughs> Really? <laughs> Wrecked. On, sorry. On a baking show, you know, shock. Um, so, yeah, I think they've just got the order a little bit wrong this year, in in my humble opinion. They always have Patisserie Week in Week 9, though, don't they? That's standard, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. But I, I, I think this year we've missed out on... I, I can't remember anybody doing a shoe bun. Has anybody done shoe pastry at all this year? 
don't think no oh Oh, somebody made shoe pastry legs i think for spiders in halloween (laughs) (laughs) does that that count well that's Um, all right then (laughs) (laughs) that's that covered um yeah it's a good point howard and also, Dan, I think you're right. Patisserie is because we did fondant fancies, and God, fondant fancies. I'm still scarred from those in our semi-final. So, yeah, maybe it is just because it's pastry, then patisserie. It all just seems like it's all too late and all crammed together. But. Yeah, me, me, and Howard remember patisserie week too. Um, yeah, I think, but I think you're you, <laughs> you're right. It was just the pastry week was way too way too late, and I think that sort of skewed it a little bit. I think it, it's a shame because it's a run of maybe slightly more predictable weeks where favourites tripped up and I think nobody actually really likes to see that. It's nice as a shock twist if you like but if it's a couple of weeks in a row where favourites are, are making a, a mess it's not it's not comfortable viewing is it? Um, and I'm still not quite over Maxi leaving. Did this competition take a turn for you in a way that you just didn't expect or is it just me? I mean my Shabira is still hanging on strong um, I still stand by by Shabira prediction but uh, some of the early favorites have really fallen by the wayside and um I think we saw Yanis tripping up again this week didn't we Yeah I think so I think but you know when you get a group of people who are of a very similar standard and I would say Yanush and Maxi and Abdul and Sandro are all pretty much of the standards. Shabira, I ha- hate to admit that you might be right, Dan. <laughs> Still sticking by Sandro. But somebody has got to go when you're trying to whittle it down to three. So I don't think it's been shock horror. I mean, in our year, um, who would have thought that Selassie went? Who would have thought that Benjamina went early? You know, I think you get down to a very close in 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 level of baking group of people somebody good is always going to go because they're just going to have a slip up and i think that's just what's happened over the last couple of weeks who was this abdul character you mentioned has he been on the show as well very much the underdog yeah didn't they say you've flown under the radar i think you yeah. actually said that to him and i think he has somehow i mean he's a lovely guy but we've all seemed to have just gone oh yes and then there's abdul i mean he seems so sweet um yeah, we need to mention him this week, guys. So we do. We do. We do. Well, luckily we will, because I have things to say about the showstopper, but we will get to that, obviously, in due course. We will indeed. Let's start, as we mean to go on, let's start with our signature challenge. And this week, the bakers were asked to make six mini Charlottes with a set filling encased in a sponge of choice. They had two and a half hours... And this was a lovely challenge, I thought, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get my hump out of the way. Sorry, Howard, stealing your limelight here. I was a bit annoyed that for the whole of the signature, Prue and Paul kept talking about how they've never heard of peanut and fruit together. And I was just imagining a whole host of people being affronted because they'd never heard of peanut butter and jelly. So I thought that was a little odd. I've written exactly that. Peanut butter and jelly, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Uh, and you know, where they haven't lived. Yes, <laughs> gosh, how exotic. <laughs> so Howard, we'll start with you. Is there anybody's mini Charlottes who stood out to you? Who do you think was really good in this challenge? I think just agreeing with you to begin with, which is always a good thing, isn't it, Sarah? Of course. Um, it was a lovely challenge. I liked, I would have happily done this. I thought six is quite a nice number to do. Gives you the opportunity to put a bit of effort into the uh, the finesse, the finishing off. Um, it's doable. Um, I, I liked the idea of Abdul's tiramisu. I know it didn't quite kind of look as good as it, it sounded. The thing that surprised me about all of these, though, was the fact that they, there seemed to be no alcohol in any of them. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we've we've been absolutely awash with booze, haven't we, throughout the whole series? We have. And this was one where I would have expected a little bit of, of booze to be going in there. And completely absent. I don't think there was even any in the tiramisu, which which surprised me. For some reason, this is 
when I think of a Charlotte, because they're often raspberry, the first thing that would spring to my mind is getting a bit of Chambord in there, wouldn't it? Like, that's just the first thing that I think of. A nice Bavois cream with a bit of Chambord. Oh, lovely. Mm. So, yeah, but I agree. I love this challenge. And do you know what I love the most is, so some people made a jaconde and they sort of wrapped it round in a nice smooth uh, circle. But I think it was Shabira and possibly someone else. My memory is not so great. Pipe the lady fingers. And then, but they the sort of stick them together and then wrap them around. And that is a very classic, very attractive look. And I loved um, Shabira's that had that sort of, uh, the, the, lady, the line of lady fingers. Uh, but I do feel that Bake Off maybe did go over their budget with the use of the term lady finger. <laughs> they did, I think. Janusz did the other one. He did a Polish style. It was described as a Polish type jaconde, but they look like lady fingers to me. So... I, they didn't explain the difference between an uh, ordinary jaconde and a Polish type, which I always think is disappointing, especially only four of them. They could have given us that little bit of info. My mother used to make a thing from the Mrs. Beaton's book of household management or something, which was the recipe book. You're not that old. <laughs> that book is hundreds of years old. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't look it down, but I am. <laughs> now, my mother used to make this thing, and it always it was one of her Christmas desserts, and it would have raspberry jelly, ladyfingers, bought from the shop. Of course, she never made her own ladyfingers. And then a, a bavoir, a, a lemon-flavoured bavoir in it. And it was always, will it set? Will it turn out all right? Quickly, let's wrap it up in a ribbon so that it doesn't collapse. So it's a very classic idea, these mini Charlottes. And, and I love I love it. I think we all ought to be doing them again. I think it's brilliant. Yes, I'm quite disappointed that I'm not uh, teaching the class for week nine, actually, because I would have loved to have done mini Charlottes. I think that would have been amazing. Who's doing it? Who got week nine? Uh, we have Rosie, and she's going to be doing our technical. We're going to be doing the vertical oh. charts. Curse oh, you, Rosie. Lovely, lovely, <laughs> lovely. I mean, that is a great that is a great technical, actually. We'll get onto that later. But I just I did love the mini Charlottes, and I was really uh, inspired. I, to be honest, I like to make a nice big one, actually, and just slice it up, assuming it mm. sets. Um, mm. But yeah, I thought it was a lovely challenge and actual proper patisserie. I think we've had a couple of weeks that have just been really uninspiring. And patisserie week for me was a bit of a return to form. I actually was excited about the things that they were making. Mm. Yeah, I loved, oh God, just makes me want to eat bavoir cream. And the best thing about making a Charlotte is there's always bavoir left over and you can just eat it directly out of the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and that is never a bad thing. No, never, ever. We had some lovely flavours. We were definitely going very much down the, the fruity route with Shabira and her strawberry and blackberry cheesecakes. Janusz was going with his plum in chocolate. Sandro going quite a, a big way out, going quite far with his banana sponge, peanut caramel, more caramel chocolate, ganache, praline, lots and lots of things. And Abdul keeping it nice and simple with his tiramisu. Something that I really enjoyed was Shabira when she said, who doesn't like peanut butter? And I really wanted Carol to just poke her head into the tent and go, unless you don't like butter or you're allergic to nuts. That was a really <laughs> good moment for me. <laughs> Jane, you've had Sandro pegged for a winner from the beginning. Do you think he bit off a bit more than he could chew with this one? Well, I think he probably did. I mean, he's he, he's only guilty of doing what I suspect most of, if not all of us, did in the tent. It, and that's think, I've got to throw the kitchen sink at it. We've said that before, you know, keep it simple uh, and ex execute it really well. But I love his ambition, to be honest. He's... He, he just really goes for it, doesn't he? I must admit, I quite liked his flavours as well. They're classic, aren't they? Chocolate, peanut, caramel and banana. What's not to like? Sounds like a banoffee pie. But I must admit, one thing that got me was when he was piping in his peanut mousse. That did not look like a mousse. That just looked like some peanut slop when it went in there. Now, mousse. Mousse is supposed to be... Moose-like, which we will get onto when we get to the technical. It's light, it's airy, it's supposed to have air bubbles in it. And it strikes me as people call things a moose when they can't think of something else to call it, um, which was my only real criticism of this whole challenge. 
Mooses are light and airy. They are not thick and creamy. Well, if your mousse deflates, you just call it a crimo. That's how we get around that one. <laughs> yes, then it's a crimo. But yes, I think there was that Abdul and Sandra took two very different approaches, and n- neither was entirely successful. I think Abdul was smarter when he weighed, went for more of a simple bake. But the one thing I will say about I've ne- I love tiramisu, I love the flavors. But one thing I've never really got about tiramisu is when you just dust the top in cocoa powder. I don't think it looks attractive. And it's patisserie week. You had the option to do some kind of decor or something that told you what was inside, you know, in in an attractive way. And I think he just lost that. I think, you know, it would have been, he could have, even if it was just something as simple as stenciling on a bit of cocoa powder, so it was more attractive. You know, there's something else he could have done uh, that wasn't just dusting it. It, it. It's frustrating because he executed well, but then sort of at the end made it look distinctly amateurish. Is that a bit harsh or do you, would you agree? No, I don't mind a bit of dusting, to be honest, because when my tiramisu class, we dust on the top. Well, it's classic. Um, it's classic. It is yeah. classic. And I'm nothing if not classic, I suppose. Or old is whatever you, whichever. <laughs> um, as Benjamina used to say to me, old school Jane, with the emphasis on the old. And I, I think he said he wanted to do more decoration, but ran out of time. I think oh. that's that's what happened. I think he intended to have some piping on it, didn't have time to do the piping, so he just ran out of time. Oh, you might be right. But yeah, it's just Sandro is bless his bless his little heart. We love Sandro. But I think he's so desperate for that handshake. Or maybe he isn't, maybe they're just playing it up in the editing. But you know, I think he really wants to get that handshake and he as you say, oh I use one of your expressions, Jane. He threw the kitchen sink at it and he's just and I think that's been the theme of his life lately, throwing the kitchen sink at everything. And it's just if he just reined it back. 10, 20%, I think he could deliver something really, really incredible. And it's a shame if he's not going to get some lovely shining moment because he's such a lovely shiny guy, isn't he? Mm, I agree. So, yes, there we leave our signature challenge with Abdul having lovely textures, a light sponge and everything really well blended and set. Janusz, a bit untidy and not a very set mousse. Shabira's looking very elegant and pretty and excellent flavours. And Sandra having something delicious, but a bit rich and a bit chunky. So still all to play for as we move into the technical challenge. Now for the technical this year, we were asked to do four hazelnut, chocolate and raspberry vertical tarts, which was something I must admit I couldn't have pictured until we saw Paul and Prue sitting down to their example version. Do we think this is a good challenge? We were discussing before how it it looks absolutely beautiful. How would you think this is something you'd like to have a go at? I'd love to have a go at it, but I have to say, I didn't think the finished thing actually looked as appetising as I expected it to. When they cut into the little vertical tart, I thought the chocolate looked a bit solid. You've got very little filling actually in there, haven't you? You've got kind of half a mousse sitting in a pastry ring tiny little bit of cream oh I I just wanted a jug of cream or something to pour over it and moisten it a bit more chuck a bit more fruit in there looks lovely but I would have been a bit disappointed with that as a dessert I think yeah I think so this is something that I've seen on Instagram so I'm aware of it and it's interesting and different but at the same time you do kind of think maybe just fill the whole tart up why are we skipping out on half the filling here just give us the whole tart please (laughs) Um, But to be honest, I was mainly just distracted all the way through this technical because I was desperately trying to think of some euphemism for vertical tart. Um, But I couldn't couldn't come up with anything, sadly. Good. (laughs) I thought it was an interesting challenge and I thought it would test them. And just just seeing Sandro getting confused by cutting things in half. Oh, my God. The, um, I'm sh- Listen, I made mistakes in the tent and in the editing they massively overplayed it and sort of dragged it out longer than it was actually in real life. But it was just, it was really funny watching him just not quite understanding how to cut something in half. Um, <laughs> bless him. I think we're all sitting there going semicircle, Sandra. Semicircle. 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 <laughs> bless him. We saw Shabira having a little bit more 
I don't, I don't, maybe technical knowledge, maybe just instinct yeah. when she used the rice and the greaseproof paper to make sure her pastry stayed flat up against the ring. Jane, is this something do you think can see her through oh, to the final with this? God, it's something that they should all know. <laughs> I mean, God almighty, sorry, sorry. Uh, I, geez, I mean, yeah, the pastry, of course it's not going to stand up. Of course it's not. There's nothing to hold it up. Have they never heard of blind baking? I mean, it's the one thing that really, really bothered me about this challenge. How did they How did they not understand that if you've got a piece of pastry that has got lots of butter in it, it's, it, the whole thing is going to want to slump. It's built to slump unless you hold it up. And then you know. The rice is stuck to the pastry. Just... I love the idea of like a delicious pastry studded with uncooked rice. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> so I think this goes back to all, all the things that we've said about pastry week last week and this week. How, how can they have got to this stage with not knowing how to blind bake some pastry? I mean, it's so, I love them all. Please don't get me wrong. Please don't write in, dear, dear listener. But it's so frustrating. This is the semi-final of Bake Off and they can't blind bake a bit of pastry. It, I just want to smash my head against the, the desk. I might do it later. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see that, Jane. I'd like to see that. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Um, but it's a bit like, uh, you're, normally I'm usually shouting at the television when they're making shoe pastry, which is how I just pointed out. We haven't seen much shoe this time, if any, apart from Seal's spider leg. When they, they put all their egg in and they go, I can't understand why it's runny. It's because you put all your egg in. Right, we're going to make it again. It's still runny because you put all your egg in. And, and this time, this year, for me, it's like, Blind baking is the most basic pastry skill. The most basic pastry skill. How could so many of them? So Abdul didn't blind bake. Yanush got it wrong. Uh, Sandro did. But, but Shabira seems to be the only one that has a wide breadth of baking knowledge. And I found that really, really, really frustrating at this stage of the competition. I do want to offer a word of defence, which is, so when they first started making them, I said, oh, have they got perforated tart rings? Because if you have tart rings that have holes in them, you know, that are perforated all the way round, then what you can do is you can put your pastry in and then usually freeze it, then bake it without putting paper and rice in the middle okay that only works if you freeze it right down first and as i said if you've got the holes in the outside of the tin because that allows the steam to escape without bubbling up and it collapsing so it can work and i was staring at them thinking are they perforated but i don't think they were and the fact that they were the fact that they were offered paper and rice should have been a massive hint i mean why on earth would you i mean i use rice uh to line the paper when i do blind baking because the beads, I find, you still end up with a lumpy, puffy pastry. So I tend to use rice. I feel like they should have known that. But yeah, it was quite... It's weird that only one of them had the sense, wasn't it? I don't know. But but the, the, they seem to work well. Is it Janusz had two that worked and then two that had uncooked rice on them? <laughs> I just... Yeah, I don't know. It, I know we all make mistakes in the tent because we're under that sort of pressure. But I, I thought that was... Oh, it's just, it, 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 I find it really frustrating and quite funny, actually, I don't put it. Mm, but it, it was quite the collective brain fart, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, I think it was. <laughs> Something else that Janusz seemed to do, I don't know if anybody else noticed this or if it's just the edit or something, but Janusz seemed to cut two strips to then line the the ring rather than cutting one long strip of pastry. Surely cutting one long strip of pastry would be better because then it only has one weak point and his seemed to be the only one that collapsed. Howard, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. But yes, you, you would try and do just one uh, strip of pastry if you're if you're trying to make a ring. Yeah, if you cut it into you're absolutely right. Well done, think... Sarah, for well, well, that. Sarah, I well not done. noticed that. Yes. No, I haven't. At least Sarah's paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> it's been two years of working with you guys. I've uh, picked up a lot. <laughs> Well, let's have a look at the ranking in the technical then. We had Sandro coming fourth. Uh, his were apparently a bit messy, pastry very thick and a not set jelly. Janusz came third. 
uh, with his pastry being slightly underbaked and a good mousse, but as we've just discussed, quite soft pastry. Abdul's second, pretty neat, a bit overbaked, and we had this thing, didn't we, from most people of the mousse being so overworked it turned more into a ganache. But then Shabira coming out first in the technical once again, very neat, good colour, uniform, but again, this mousse slightly overworked. We talked a bit about this. The mousse was being stirred very vigorously at one point, I think definitely by Shabira. So is this something you've got to be really careful of when you're incorporating um, chocolate into egg whites and to make a lovely mousse? Well, I, all I'd say is yes. But I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you do. Thank you. Okay. okay. Well, that, thanks for solving that one for us, Alex. <laughs> Moving on. One of the tricks is if you loosen your chocolate with a bit of the egg white first. So if you put some and you, assume, you, you just accept you're going to knock all the air out of the egg white, but you put it in and you loosen the chocolate or whatever it is you're trying to incorporate together, then the rest of the egg white goes in much more easily. And I would say also don't over whip that meringues to the point where it's really, 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 really stiff because then it's, want to, it's going to want to stay into clumps. So it's a bit like softly whipping cream to incorporate it. You, you would probably have your meringue at the soft peak stage rather than the stiff peak stage to make the whole thing easier to combine. And it, and it is a sort of getting the balance right, but yeah, it's just one of those things that you have to sort of just be careful and, and just loosen ahead of time. I think they were striking a difficult balance though, because it's got to be firm enough that it holds its shape because they're cutting it into a gravity-defying shape. So they must have been afraid to, for it to be too light and airy. So I think it was, I, they didn't make it easy for them. If they Obviously, if you're just setting it in a pot, you can have it, uh, you know, nice and loose. But if you, if you need it to stand upright, that's a little bit, yeah. a little bit harsher. Good point. And I think the other thing with, with, that was a bit cruel as well was making them walk to the table with, oh, with yeah. the four oh, of them yeah. on the edge what was that about and one fell over said... on the way and they weren't allowed to stand it back up again no see, see if it was me what i would have done was use something sticky maybe a bit of the ganache to stick it to the plate and then put the biscuit around it but i don't mm. think anyone did oh, that because you're clever well, I don't know about that, uh, but I but I have dropped a lot of things in my life. Um, <laughs> but what blew me away, uh, this is just uh, one minor point, was Sandro's pastry. And this just tickled me so much because one of the things that we often say, so in, in the, like, obviously we give measurements, but measurements are lost on most people. So one of the frames of reference that we have is a pound coin for pastry because that's about three millimetres thick. So you'll often hear English bakers say, roll the pastry to the thickness of a pound coin. And that's what, uh, because that's most typical thing thickness that you require and Sandra said right thickness of a pound coin that's about five millimeters isn't it or something and then rolled something that was even thicker than that and you just thought Sandro I mean I know like since Covid we've gone a bit more cashless but you know what a pound coin looks like like that was so thick it was unbelievable um I just I just thought that just made me smile so much I think it's you know Listen, I was in the tent and I made ridiculous decisions, so I get it. But, oh, my God, it was so thick, wasn't it? So <laughs> thick, Sandro. <laughs> Sorry, we're not talking about Sandro. We're talking about his pastry at this stage. I'd just like to point out. Yeah, that threw me. I had to go measure a pound coin to make sure I wasn't going crazy. I, was like, I can't remember anymore. What also made me smile was Shibira, bless her. She's a scientist, isn't she? So she was saying, you've got to get this just right in the circle, this semicircle of mousse. Otherwise, it won't sit straight and it'll be wonky. But it will automatically level itself because you've got a circle with a semicircle inside. So even if you put it in wonky, it will straighten itself yeah. up. So yeah, I thought that too. Or was that me just being, I don't know. No, but, no I yeah. thought that too. I thought, what? what? That's, that's all right, darling. The balance will just shift. I don't know. I think she was <laughs> yeah. overthinking that one. Oh, I think she was. I mean, it's just, gosh, you know, we've all, all said silly things in the tent that afterwards you go, oh, why did I say that? No, it was, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great uh, technical. I thought it was a fun technical. I might have done something. I said, chocolate mousse looks messy when you cut it, doesn't it? Oh, but to take it out of its thing. Do you know, though, I have to say, I, I would want to agree with something that Howard said right off the bat, which is just kind of like, 
But why, though? Like, it's very pretty and interesting. But, like, you know, like, with the sliver of jelly they put on the top? Like, I would feel like you would want more jelly than that. I mean, not that I would ever criticise Bake Off for turning into a sort of engineering challenge over a baking challenge. But it just it just seemed a little bit kind of like, yeah, but why? You know, I don't I don't know. But pretty, though. And did anyone get the gold leaf on? I don't think they did, did they? Uh, no, I'm not sure. But, you know, to be fair to the challenge, I totally take on board that Howard wants more cream and Dan wants more raspberry. Everything. More oh, everything. <laughs> but, but eat, have, serve it with a bit more raspberry coolie and a jug of cream Ooh, yes. on the side. Yes. Yes. That would be nice. Yes. Or some, um, you know, chantilly on the side. I think just because it wasn't all on there doesn't mean you couldn't serve it like that. I think. Yeah, but all, all round to Jane's for a vertical time. Yeah. <laughs> it, de- it definitely needed more moisture. I mean, the pastry was impressive, but it would have dried everything out a bit. And I think especially if that mousse was a bit more ganache, you definitely need some moisture with it, don't you? Well, thank you, Jane, for saving that, because I was just about to say that that's the challenge we're going to be doing um, on our <laughs> Petitory Week mystery class. So thank you, Jane, for putting a positive spin on it um, after <laughs> Dan questioning its existence but yes anybody who has signed up for our 10 week mystery class recipe reveal this is what we're going to be doing with rosie brandreth for week nine well thank you everybody who has been sending in some questions for us we have three questions to get through today yes i have a question from a friend of mine who keeps asking me every week and saying mention it on the podcast because perhaps perhaps then the production company will hear it so i'm gonna get mine in quick just because i've forgotten she says why at the beginning and the titles that raspberry tart that all comes up with all the raspberries why is there a raspberry missing please for the next series love productions can you redo that frame and put the last raspberry on no no why (laughs) (laughs) it's part of bake-off history everybody has always commented about this raspberry missing so yeah, we we look forward to the missing round. We do we. I, do you know now I look at it. I, I hadn't even really taken much notice of it, and now I look at it and go, God, that missing raspberry is driving me mad. Anyway, okay, I promised my friend Lucy that I would mention it. I've yeah. now mentioned it, Lucy. It's out of my hands. It's a thing that people do because I've I don't know if you guys ever do this, but they look at like how to do Instagram and TikTok because I don't know. I'm too old. I don't still don't do TikTok. I'm way too old for that. But one of the secrets is you deliberately leave. Something something out because psychologically it makes people want to look at it so like for example if like there's lots of um youtube videos you may have not noticed this where the thing that's in the thumbnail they don't actually show in the video because you're sitting there the whole video waiting for something to happen so leaving things unfinished oh. is like a really it's a psychological trick that gets people invested i think and people have been talking about that raspberry for years haven't they there's no oh, way they're going to take it out yeah. yes Yes. Oh, wow. I, I've obviously missed it. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> On you go. Forget I mentioned it. <laughs> but Lucy, if you're listening, I mentioned it. All right. <laughs> You've done your duty, Jane. I've we, done my, I've done my bit. Fine. Well, we have a question here from Justin in Ohio, and it carries on beautifully from what we you were just saying, Jane, about gold leaf. Now, before we get to the question, I loved... Abdul in the technical challenge bless him he clearly had never used gold leaf before neither have I so this is not a criticism but he was like how do I put it on oh don't touch it as he got it all over his fingers (laughs) (laughs) bless him I feel like I'd do the same thing but Justin's question is this isn't specific to any one episode but more of a question I've had for years what is the point of the gold leaf bits that bakers stick on top of their bakes it always looks a bit messy in my opinion and I've never felt that it's enhanced a cake to have bits of flaky gold floating off it. It seems so fussy to work with and doesn't seem to add much. Is this a UK or European thing? I love to bake at home but very rarely do visit an upscale bakery here in the States so maybe I'm just not familiar with it. So, gold leaf, what do we think? I'm quite partial to a little bit of gold leaf on cakes. But what I tend to do is stick it round the sides. I don't tend to put it on top so much. It is literally just to make it sort of seem luxurious and exciting. There's no other reason. It doesn't taste of anything. It's not adding anything in that respect. It's literally just to look pretty. It is very... It's. I mean, it's debatable as to whether you think it looks messy. It can look very messy. There are ways you can do... 
it more cleanly. Like, for example, one thing you can do is you can drop a sheet of it onto some water. And then if you, like, drop a cherry down onto it, for example, the the gold leaf will wrap perfectly around the cherry oh. and stick to the surface of the cherry. That's or you can do it with, ha- with hazelnuts as well. So there are things you can do which are maybe more neat. But the sort of, um, you know, the, the flakes of gold leaf just on the top. I mean, if it's an aesthetic you like, great. But if you don't, then obviously don't waste your money on it. Um, uh, this may not come as a shock to you, but gold leaf is rather expensive. I believe it was you, Dan, who said in a class once that gold leaf can be... It can be, it can feel really wasteful. You know, it's like, I've got enough money to show that I can just eat and then excrete gold. Gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very that. (laughs) Trying to keep this a very PC rated podcast here. Because I poop sparkles. Yeah, exactly. Um, Are you a unicorn, Dan, in your spare time? Exactly. I am. Eating rainbows and pooping sparkles. And that's the title for the episode. no i've never i've never noticed the after effects of eating gold i have to say Um, it it is maybe there are some but i don't know um but no sorry it is just something a little ostentatious there's no point to it it's it's just to be extravagant but it's it's nice the only thing i really use it for is like for birthday cakes um actually and this is a little bit of a humble brag i went to one of tom daly's new year's eve parties one year it was the year before 2020 and i made him a cake that was entirely covered in gold leaf because it was going into the olympic year and i was like so it's my gold sort of you know it's setting the tone i was like if you win the olympic gold you have me to thank for it and he did win the olympic gold so i'm basically saying that it's because i made a cake that's why tom daly's olympic champion you heard it here first (laughs) it's it's not it's not his years of hard work it's the cake i made I'm not one to shine your light under a bushel, Dan. <laughs> no. A lovely story, though. I really like that story. Yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. I can't take any credit. Thank you, Justin, for that question. And we have a question from Stella in Oahu, Hawaii. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. She says, my question is, if you ever taste a brand new bake somewhere and you absolutely hate it, Does that make you feel inspired to try and make it yourself to see if you can improve it or just write it off and avoid it going forward? Howard, I'm going to come to you. Do you know, I can't remember the last time I ate something that I really, really hated. I mean, I've I've judged kind of cake competitions and you think, oh, better not let my uh, expression show uh, on my face. Yeah, what I'm feeling inside. And you, you, but that's more to do with the kind of texture of a cake or the baking of it. I can't think that it's anything particularly original. So I can't think of it. I can't think of the last time I, I ate something I I didn't like. But I I probably would avoid it rather than trying to recreate it. I think English people are trained from a very young age to be tactful at all costs, yes. aren't they? So, <laughs> like, I remember one amazing thing I made for my daughter. Uh, well, I didn't make it for her, but she tried it, and it had quite adult tastes. And she took a bite of it, and she was probably about seven or eight at the time. And she put it back on the serving plate after having one bite, and she said something along the lines of, it's absolutely lovely, it's just a little bit rich for me, so it's probably something I would choose to have just on special occasions. <laughs> <laughs> So sweet. When I serve a cake to someone, I'm like, oh, do you like it? And people are very polite and they say, yes, it's very nice. And I say, right, do you think the balance of flavours works? How about the textures? And people are like, yeah, it's nice. And I'm like, but is there anything you would change? Like, do you think... And people are like, I said it's fine. Like, what do you want from me? (laughs) Like, like... So I think some people welcome criticism because we want to improve and become better at what we're doing. And some people really don't. And we just assume that most people don't. So I don't typically say anything. Um, But most of the time, I'm usually inspired by the things uh, that I taste. You know, uh, for example, I was in um, John Lewis earlier and there was a a pear and browned butter cake and it was bloody gorgeous um yeah and i've I've sort of been inspired to make that and i wouldn't have made it exactly how they made it but the 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 flavors were amazing and i'll take that home and put my own twist on it um but it's very rare that i take taste something and it's really unpleasant it's usually when it's something's been made for a baking contest and you have to be incredibly polite about some flavorless brick that's been brought in so i think in answer to the question that we took a long time getting around to (laughs) 
We're probably not inspired to make things that we absolutely hate, but inspired to find a way of recreating things that we absolutely love when we're out there. Lovely. Well, thank you very much, Stella, for that. And we have a final question here from Martin. Now, this is a slightly two-part question. So, Jane, I'm going to focus in on you for this question. Martin says, I feel for a while that the editor's been especially unfavourable to some bakers who have received a lot of online hate as a result. Names that come to mind include Laura, Christelle, Priya, as well as Karen, who we have mentioned earlier about getting a slightly unfair edit. Firstly, as the Bake Off community seems pretty close-knit, are there any bakers that you feel got an unfair edit who you'd like to shine a bit of a positive light on? And secondly, do you feel the producers should take greater responsibility in ensuring a fair edit for all the bakers so as to try and avoid any further unfair backlash, particularly given how much of this backlash is sexist towards women? That's really interesting because I I was talking about this yesterday to a couple of friends. I think... On the whole, uh, the production company are pretty fair in their edit. They have a very difficult job. They've probably got a hundred hours of film, given the number of cameras there are there and how long we're filming, to cut that down into a one-hour episode. And I do think they, they try to be as kind as they possibly can be. I think they're very mindful of what goes on, and we certainly get briefed on some of the awful stuff that does happen um, either in the press or online and even now however many years on six years on seven years on whenever I was on I know that if I was having a real problem I could go to the production company and they would help so I think they have got better and better at helping people over the years and I have no criticism of them on on that level whatsoever However, they are a television production company and they want ratings. They are there to make a very entertaining show. And if everybody that was on the show that was a contestant was bland, it wouldn't make for very interesting viewing. And there will always be hateful people out there that will take the nicest contestants and be utterly vile about them. I know our Rosie, for goodness sake, that woman couldn't be a nicer person and Ian Cumming another one of our legends couldn't be a more delightful person all got some pretty horrible stuff happened to them but poor Candice in my ear who I have the most experience of you know they focused they did focus in on the edit a lot about her pouting and her lipstick and even now people say to me Oh, that Candice, blah, blah, blah. And I go, honestly, she's absolutely lovely. When we were there, you never noticed the lipstick, particularly, I certainly would never have noticed any of the pouting. So it possibly was brought to the fore a bit in the edit, which then gave her quite a lot of criticism and hate online, but equal amounts of love. So uh, to be honest, you know, I can't blame the production company. I think they're pretty kind in their edits. I think, of course, they're going to pick up on people's little foibles or things that they do because that's what lets the, the viewer know what that person is a little bit more like. So it might be a bit more exaggerated. I don't know. I think the people we shouldn't be blaming are the production company. I think it should be all those awful trolls out there who sit at their computers and think they can be as vile as they like and hurt people's feelings and and say things that they would never say to somebody face to face. So we shouldn't be talking about the production company who I think do a pretty good job. Thank you guys. I'm available if you want to do a new series. Um, (laughs) I think it ought to be all those completely sickos who really ought to get out there and get a life rather than be sending vile images to, to contestants or phone them up or send them letters with death threats. And yes, that actually happens. I just can't believe it. So I don't think it's the edits particularly. I I do think it's just those awful people out there. I entirely agree. Um, I would just say a couple of extra things, which is that, first of all, you're right, they're they're an entertainment company. And I do think that sometimes 
that it's not that they're not fair in the way they edit it. It's just that they don't, they're considering what's entertaining. And sometimes things that are entertaining maybe don't necessarily present people in the best light, but I don't think that's their choice. I don't think that's a choice on their part. I don't think it's deliberate. I think that's just something that's inadvertent. And also you have to bear in mind that in real life, people like people more than other people. And that's just it. Like there's nothing, you know, and if you're the least popular person on Bake Off, it doesn't mean you'd be unpopular in real life because this is already a group of, you know, nice, charismatic people. And it's, you know, I got a lot of meanness on my season, but I it's I think that every that every season that gets it, it's, like you say, Jane, it's shadows at their computer with nothing else to do who are probably miserable in their own life, taking out their anger and frustration on random people who they see as characters on a TV show, not realising that we're actual people. But also, you know, you have to be realistic. You know, I'm, um, you know, the sweethearts of our season were sort of people like Kim Joy and Rahul, sort of quirky, interesting young people and you know a fat middle-aged gay guy who's full of anxiety and a bit of a mouth breather is never going to be as popular as one of those people do you know what I mean you have to kind of be realistic I think if you go on a tv show and you're not the most liked person there you can't you can't really get too upset about it and if I'd have known what a popularity contest it was I probably wouldn't have entered it I don't think I've ever won a popularity contest in my life <laughs> Oh, but then we would have known. I wouldn't know you, Dan, and no, and then my life would be the poorer for it because I really love you. You're so right, Jane. You're so right. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take long for you to change your mind, did it? <laughs> it does raise an interesting point, though. We've we've touched on Abdul and Matt did say as part of this episode. He said that Abdul's gone under the radar a bit which I thought was a strange thing for somebody actually in the tent to say. So clearly, it's not just the edit that has meant that Abdul has not been at the forefront, and it's almost been a bit of a, a shock, really, that he's he's gone so far. So I, I, I don't know what it is, actually, where sometimes a character can just be literally under the radar, yeah, no, I agree. I think some people just, some people, I think they want to show the world what a lovely person they are. And some people just want to get their head down and get on with it. And I think Abdul's maybe just the second type. I think he just gets his, he's like, whenever they speak to him, he seems very amiable, very friendly, very polite, very cheerful, very optimistic. But he just seems to get his head down and get on with it. And I don't think, I think he's just not really, I think some people really do ignore the cameras and maybe Abdul's one of those people. Yes, absolutely. So thank you very much for your questions and thank you guys for writing in about all aspects of Bake Off Life and major respect to anybody who goes into the tent because you are putting yourself out there on camera for the, the whole world to see uh, and nobody deserves anything other than love because you're all just baking to entertain us and isn't that just the loveliest thing in the world? So thank you everybody and thank you for your questions. Keep them coming in. Uh, you can email thebakedown at bakewithlegend.com or you can give us your questions on social media. We are at bakewithlegend on all platforms. Now we move on to the showstopper. Now the bakers were asked to make a visually spectacular Swedish croquant, uh, which sounds a bit French when I say it, so I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, with a minimum height of 16 centimetres, even though I don't think anybody's... 60. 60? 16 would be easy. (laughs) Yeah, I just... Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, oh, look, it it was a typo. Yeah, yeah. 16. (laughs) 60 <laughs> centimetres, and they had four hours to do this. So, yes, we had a lot of lovely themes going on here. Sandro doing a where it started to how it's going theme uh, with his two homes, London and Africa as well. Abdul was doing a beautiful rocket to the stars themed Krakon. Janusz was doing a Brighton Pride with lots of lovely the pride flags and hearts and musical notes and Shabira, of course, doing an amazing The DNA in You 50 Biscuit croquant with, oh my goodness me, chromosomes and the helix and fabulous, fabulous stuff. Dan, you have your hand up. What did you think of this challenge? Well, I just want to say, I was a little bit confused at the start. So, so you're going to have to make a croquant that's like 60 centimetres high. And I was like, Kraken? 
they're making sea monsters. I was just very confused about what this was. Um, but I was thrilled to discover this is in fact not what it is. And it's very similar to the Kransakaka, which they made in season 10 in like a horn shape. And that I happen happily to be doing um, as one of my Christmas classes. So I'll just get that quick plug in there. It's the same dough. Who'd have thought it? So we're basically going to be making one of those. It looks a little, little bit like a Christmas tree. That's the way I like to, I'm going to make something festive for my Christmas parties. So it's a very similar thing. It's a, it seems to be basically ground almonds with icing sugar held together, a bit of egg white, some marzipan decorations. But I think, Jane, you said you Googled this and there wasn't much information that you could find. Well, I, no, I have a um, Norwegian sister-in-law. My brother has lived in Norway for years. So one would expect Scandinavian. It would have popped up at some point. I, when I googled it i it came lots of sort of nut brittle came up as opposed to these wonderful constructions and i only found about two or three pictures so i don't know where they got it from i thought it was quite a nice challenge but i think it's much more like your crans and sikaka i can't even pronounce you got there you got there i did i in the end um (laughs) which i've never made but i think looks splendid and i think they've just taken that and turned it into something a bit more spectacular for a showstopper i and you're loosely based on something vaguely scandinavian i thought it was i thought it's a nice challenge actually i really liked it i thought it could have been executed a little better than it was in places but i i really liked it but you know you google they spelt it on there. I had to look and, and 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 pause the recording so I could see that it how it was spelt, and I couldn't find really anything online at all. I put in uh, crocan cake, and that that brings up more pictures. And apparently, oh. there is a recipe for it in something called the Nordic Cookbook. So they did refer to it being a Nordic idea. Uh, Nordic concept so I I think it's probably from uh, from that yeah so similar thing so one thing that I've noticed with because I've made a few of these now in my time is it's actually you do have to to get the balance of the biscuit right it has to be crisp on the outside so that the biscuit holds its shape but it still needs to be soft in the middle if it's too firm it's actually quite unpleasant to eat so you need to make sure that it is nice and soft in the middle so how on earth they're supposed to make the biscuits palatable and have it in this towering structure um, I'm not Sure, I feel I really would have struggled with that. But as soon as Abdul started piping something, I thought, oh, you clever boy. Because you can pipe it. Um, Normally, you only pipe it if you're piping it directly into ring moulds, which are available, but are very expensive comparatively. It's, you know, it's better just, it's, you know, more cost effective to shape it by hand. But when he started piping it, I thought, ah, that's the smart move. Well done to Abdul. I think you got absolutely the right idea there. And I think that was absolutely borne out by the presentation, which I thought his was probably... The most beautiful, I think Shabira's was most technically impressive architecture, but I thought Abdul's was beautiful with all those stained windows and these sort of, it almost looked like wrought ironwork, didn't it? I just thought it looked stunning. Well done, Abdul. Guys, can you enlighten me? Because I've never made a Kranzakaka, but the mixture sounds like the same mixture as you'd use in an amaretti biscuit. Similar. Yeah, so it's basically just equal parts ground almonds and icing sugar and then held together with a bit of egg white. And the trick is to get the right consistency so that it's... It's basically... You've still got to be able to roll it into a sausage. So it's kind of like maybe more like fondant than marzipan that kind of consistency yeah so yes very like an amaretti biscuit then okay which i do make a lot yeah why well, don't make them that often because uh, my husband says that almonds taste like death really yeah apparently cyanide tastes of almonds um, yes so, yeah. so there's quite a, apparently maybe it's an evolutionary thing some um a lot of people like the way that some people can't stand coriander there's i think there's sort of a, a gene or something where people can't stand almonds well Moving away from the poisoned biscuit theme, let's let's go back to some nicer flavours. Actually, speaking of flavours, there didn't seem to be tons and tons of flavours in this. I mean, Sandro said he had pistachio, raspberry and rhubarb and custard as well. Uh, Abdul had some lemon zest which the uh, judges particularly liked. Janusz had some rose biscuits with some gin royal icing uh, and Shabira again, rose and pistachio. Is this something that's quite hard to put lots of flavour in? Because surely it has to go with almond for it to really work. You know, when you make these traditionally, it's just it's just sweetened almond paste, really, isn't it? That's all it is. Um, and yes, as you say, it's things that can go with almonds, but also think the... F- 
if you introduce some things, they're going to interfere with the structure. And the overriding flavour is just going to be almond. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, it's, it's fine for something to just have one flavour, in my opinion. You know, not, you know, like my favourite cake in the world is a lemon drizzle. It's just a lemon cake. You know, you don't, sometimes it's okay for things to be simple. And I think it's just, it's a structural thing. But is that enough for a showstopper? in patisserie week for the semi-final. In my uh, humble opinion, your signatures are where you're going to show off all your interesting flavours and your showstoppers are where you're going to show off your decoration. I th- I think that's... I mean, obviously, there's room for both in both, but I think generally in your showstoppers, you're worrying about decoration, which is why I can't do a showstopper. Mm. <laughs> I think this was all about structure and decoration, and I totally agree with Dan. I think if you're going for a lovely almondy biscuit, go for a delicious almondy biscuit. You don't necessarily have to mess about with it if you don't want to um i think everybody feels they have to but uh, this wasn't necessarily about the flavor because i happen to love almonds and it was all about getting it finished and making it look beautiful and getting the bake right i think the only one who really blew my mind was um shabira when she said i'm going to create chromosomes from classic almond dough and i just thought wow there's nothing you can't do <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, she's quite a scientist uh, very smart um, no, but it, I think it was all about the structure for me and um, yeah like it's, I don't I think it's a bit boring just me complimenting Shabira and maybe sounds a little bit you know I know I picked it from day one I hate being right about this kind of stuff but um, <laughs> but I just she's just so good at decoration and she, mm-hmm. like it was it was the overall effect was simple, but there, it was complicated within it and it was structurally interesting and just well done. Like really just uh, just glorious from Shabira. It was quite magnificent. Um, Howard, let's come to you for a sec. We've spoken about um, Shabira and Abdul's very beautiful and intricate designs. What did you think of Sandro's maybe rather busy one or Janusz's rather elegant Brighton Pride? Yeah. Mm. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult. We we have we have spoken, haven't we, about sometimes uh, less is more. Uh, well, actually, most of the time, less is more. And I think Abdul and Shabira both took different approaches. So Shabira was definitely going for a kind of wow structure, and Abdul was going for something which um, where the decoration was part of the structure, which was was great. Um, I think Janusz and, and Sandro both suffered a little bit from trying to pile too many things in there. Sandro in particular. I think when you start piping your name on things and what have you, you think oh, it's just going a bit too much now. So I'd, I just felt Sandra had put a bit too much on. I would agree. I would say, so the bottom of Janusz's looked great. And I think where Abdul succeeded was he didn't try and do the layers too different. I think Janusz tried to make every layer really different and it ended up just being kind of messy in... If it, if it was been rainbow all the way up, I think that would have been sufficient. You know, I don't think you need to include every aspect of Pride in it. Just make it rainbowy. Done. As for Sandro's, I think he made a bit of a crucial mistake. The structure itself was quite uninspired. It was just a giant rectangle, which is nothing wrong in and of itself, but it was sort of a giant box, and then he sort of stuck loads of applique on it, like basically just sort of stuck bits on it. And I think it was kind of a combination of simple and messy, uh, and it didn't work for me. I think when you looked closely and looked closely at the details, the details were interesting, but the overall impression was just kind of a bit... um, it just looked like you'd thrown stuff at a box. Uh, actually, that's really harsh. <laughs> like, sorry. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a bit. Or a Monty Python crockhand. Exactly. Yes. I really, I love, because I'm younger than you, Dan, uh, <laughs> point out on a regular basis, um, I was a great Monty Python fan. And I, I think... Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I quite liked it in a, ma- a very mad sort of way. I love the shape of Africa on there. Um, very wonky Big Ben. And why shouldn't he have put his name on it? It was all about him and him growing up. And I think, I thought it was different. I thought it was messy because he over put his camera and then it was all a bit dark. But he said, they keep underestimating me. Oh, bless him. Um, I think he just he just sets himself too much to do. But I thought it was a really interesting take on, on, on the brief. And, you know, we all often say, find the easy route and make it look good. Sadly, he didn't have enough time to finish. But 
you know, structurally, it wasn't a bad way of doing it, making it all stand up. But I, I thought it was... I thought he did a, a good job. I know I wouldn't, and and I, I have got Sandra down to win, so I would be saying, <laughs> oh, this, isn't yes. I? Yeah. Um, this is where this is going. This is where the bias is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be fair, but uh, I just want to go back to Shabira because I thought the fact that she didn't use, I'm assuming the brief said you mustn't use anything in there to hold it up that isn't edible, because to make those upright biscuit posts, to, to stick everything on was incredible. But this little comment that Prue said, if it doesn't fall over, she could win. Well, <laughs> that was possibly one of the, the, the silliest things Prue has said, but, you know, of course, any of them could win. But then she also said, my money's on Abdul earlier on in the challenge. So I think she was hedging her bets there. But I think they all did a great job, but Abdul particularly interesting way he approached it by piping all the layers out without having to stick it together too much. I thought that was genius. And I loved his little marzipan spaceman. I thought it was lovely. Yes, that was fun. I have to say, for those of you who've never done any sort of structural baking with a ridiculous, unnecessary brief, um, 60 centimetres is really high. <laughs> like, it's re that's really tall. Um, that's very, very challenging to build anything that high. So whilst I did just sort of have a slightly backhanded remark at Sandro for just making a rectangle, you have very limited options for this and I think they all did a marvellous job uh, Abdul's was probably my favourite visually but uh, yeah I think uh, Shabira just had so much more work in it so I'm not surprised Shabira uh, sort of won the judges hearts that's the end of the challenges for Patisserie Week and I believe the judges said it was between Sandro and Janusz to go home and Abdul or Shabira to win so let's talk about our star baker. Now, finally, 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 it's taken to semi-final week and Abdul got his first star baker. Bless him, he was so pleased and really, really well-deserved. He'd done su such good work and especially his flavours have been on point this week. Howard, do you think this was Abdul's time to uh, to shine and win Star Baker? Yeah, absolutely. It's you you you're right. It's uh, it's taken long enough, and it's it's nice for everybody who's getting through to the final to at least have had Star Baker once. Um, I think well deserved. I think had Shabira got a better bake, uh, a more e even bake on her structure, um, actually. She probably could have uh, could have got the uh, what is it if you get it for hat trick plus one? Well, I think so. <laughs> the only people who've got it four times more than Shabira is Steph got it four times last year, and Richard years ago yeah. got it five times. Do we count winning the final as a star baker as well? Do we count? Yeah, that? absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Well. It's, it's up for debate clearly it's, that issue will not be solved um <laughs> but yeah no very impressive from shabira but yeah thrilled for abdul that's nice for him it's nice to have that whatever happens now i remember when i got star baker i was like whatever happens now i can always say i was star baker you know although he can also say he got to the final so yeah no sympathy for abdul <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he wanted any. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we have our finalists. We have, obviously, Abdul, Sandro and Shabira through to the final. But that unfortunately means we have to say goodbye to Janusz. Bless him, he's been star baker twice in Cake and Bread Week. He was a little ray of sunshine who brought us high heels and his lovely little sausage dog, Nigel, into the tent, you know in spirit through his bakes. He's had some fantastic Polish bakes all the way through and he's just been an absolute joy. Jane, I think I could speak for all of us when I say it's really sad to see Janusz go. I feel like this is a this is a Jurgen moment from last year. Somebody we thought would get through to the final slips at the final hurdle and just doesn't make it through. What do we think? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Janusz was lovely and at this stage, as I think Noel said, you know, it is the worst time to be going home. You're just there and you just slip up. But I definitely got the impression with Janusz over the last maybe couple of weeks that he was getting tired. 
you know, we saw it in my year with Selassie, you know, you just run out of steam. And I think Janusz ran out of steam. You could see him sort of slowing down as he got towards the finishing line. So I'm so sad to see him go. But I'm really grateful that we had him for nine whole weeks. And it's going to be a fun final. Three different bakers Three interesting bakers. I cannot wait to see what challenges they um, they come up with. But yeah, of course, sad to see Janusz go. But I'm sure that's not the last we see of him. I'm sure we will see him lots in the future. Love him to bits. So, of course, you all picked either Shabira or Sandro to be in the final. And here we are, both of them in the final. So is it going to be Dan and Howard's favourite or is it going to be Jane's favourite? It's going to be mine and Howard's. <laughs> That's quite simply answered, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We like Just the confidence there. there. You don't have to bother watching. We know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Quietly confident. Or maybe Abdul the underdog will come and surprise everybody and prove you all wrong. To be fair, I think it's really in the final, as in any week, it's really anyone's game. They don't, as far as I can see and have seen in the past, they don't judge it on who did well over the season. They judge it on who did well in the final. So it literally could be anyone's. I mean, obviously, Shabira has a great track record and I'm, I'm pulling for her because I love to be right. But it could, it, anyone could win it. And I think we've got Abdul as the dark horse. We've got uh, Shabira as sort of the professional who we're maybe expecting. Um, but then we've also got uh, Sandra who can be awful and can be amazing and we never know which Sandra we're going to get so um yeah it'll it'll be interesting and I think I think you're a little unfair saying you know it could surprise us all and get Abdul I don't think it would be a surprise if Abdul won because he has been quietly competent and efficient and has put forward some lovely bakes all the way through so I don't think it would be a surprise if he won I don't I'm not really surprised he's got through to the final he's uh he's a quiet man and I think he could quietly come up and win on I'm sorry Dan I know you're pulling for Shabira because you just want to win but you know and I'd like Sandro to win because I want to be right for the second year running. Um, but <laughs> I just like to point out. But I, I think we shouldn't write off Abdul at this stage because I think he could just come, come up on the outside rail or whatever racing terminology we could use and take it as anybody's game next week. I think. Of course he could. And listen, anyone who gets to the final deserves to be there. You know, it's it's not an accident to get to the final. You can't pin that on luck everyone's got there through skill and hard work so everyone who's there deserves the chance to win and uh absolutely abdul might have been the quiet one but yeah he could win just as much as anyone else although it will be shabira <laughs> abdul needs to do a bit of bread doesn't he because he missed bread week so i'm just yeah sure a bit of bread in the final would be quite nice yeah. yes. maybe pitters on an open fire <laughs> Yay! Brilliant. We'll just we'll just have like a montage of the last 12 years. Who knows yeah. what we're going to see for the final. So yes, thank you everybody for joining us for semi-final week for a lovely patisserie week. Howard, Jane and Dan, thank you very much. And we will join you all next week for the final and we will see Ooh. who is going to be crowned star baker and win the Great British Bake Off 2022. Is it going to be Shabira, Abdul or Sandro? We can't wait to find out. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Just heard a stripped media production. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you Impress No Glue Press On Manny's and Impress Press On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Presson Falsies. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.